Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters, and I'm your host, Doug Winters. Today, we're going to sit down with Jules Miller, the founder of a company called the Revelry Cooperative, and she has an incredibly unique view of how to turn a raw space into a sensational, magical, creative wonderland to have your wedding. And trust me, she explains this an awful lot better than I just did. So let's jump right into my conversation with the brilliant and charming Jules Miller, who will explain everything that I just tried to explain to you. <laughs> By the way, we're sitting in her offices at the Bordeaux LIC, which is in Long Island City. So without further ado, here's me and Jules. You know, there's, there's no official beginning, there's no official end. I mean, it's like we start when we start. Okay. Like I'll do an introduction and I'll say, so why don't we jump right in? This is Jules Miller, by the way. Yeah, so basically I do venue management and consulting. We met at uh, Levy NYC. Yes. At the Lighthouse. Yes. And you told me what you did and I said, oh my God, that is fascinating. I have to have you on. <laughs> you said I bring people to like alternative places to typical wedding venues. Yes. So basically, um, a venue can hire me either when they're first starting out under construction and they want to be able to sell their space to planners, to clients. And so they can bring me in and I can tell them, this is the size kitchen you need. This is, you need dressing rooms. This is how you do your power. Um, here's how you price your venue. Here's what you should be included. Here's what's additional. And I really specialize in raw spaces because for me, I find that much more interesting than a turnkey venue where everything is the same and every wedding is the same. You have to have an imagination or you have to have a mind like Jules to picture it as a wedding or as a corporate party with branding around and Correct. drinks and people in tuxedos. Right, and, that, <laughs> and that's why I think that there's a benefit to, to um, what I do because for people starting out for a new venue, to have somebody that's coming in with experience as opposed to like an owner who doesn't have experience in events or they're hiring somebody that's pretty fresh and new in the industry because they don't have a ton of events booked that they're able to pay a huge salary for somebody with experience, they can instead bring me in um, and I can help set them up for that so that I, I can do sample floor plans for them. I can bring in the right planners. We can do styled shoots. And so people can start envisioning um, what their venue will look like before construction's even finished. Like for instance, this venue where we are right now is yeah, the talk Bordeaux. About this, yeah, so this space is called the Bordeaux LIC. Um, we had our first wedding last September 1st. LIC sounding like a corporation, but it actually stands for <laughs> Long Island City. Exactly. And there are a lot of raw spaces in Long Island City. Um, but this one in particular was um, a one-story warehouse that housed coffee carts. So the coffee carts that you see oh, on the street, really? was they were been housed here since the mid-90s. Yeah, this uh, was a very industrial neighborhood. It yes. still is. It still is. It still is. Yes. But it's, it's much more safe than it used to be, I will say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The owners. This is where Amazon was going to correct land. Yes, about four blocks south of where we are right now. Oh my god! Yeah, so our view is safe for now, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically, this space in particular was a one-story warehouse, and and as Doug saw, there's there are two terraces on the space that have unobstructed views of the city. And the owner's wife came out here one day, and Mary Smith Meyer is her name, and she decided that she wanted to turn it into an event space. However, her background is in nursing, so she wasn't sure how to go no about it. No idea. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, she obviously had an amazing vision, and I, her, her instinct was spot on. Um, and so they sort of started doing their research, and, and funnily enough, they came across me on LinkedIn when I just started my company, and I think I'd updated my profile about 
two weeks beforehand when I decided to make the plunge to do this. Oh, that's great. Um, and I came and met with them, and that was two years ago in October. So when I came here, there was no electricity, there were no windows, there was no elevator, and the plumbing was in, and like the specs for the elevator were in. So um, you know, those things were done. But as far as you know, kitchen size, dressing room size, the lighting that's going in here, are we going to put chandeliers in? We decided not to because it becomes too limiting. But uh-huh. I think for a space like this, that's, you know, a white loft space, I think, to, to be able to leave it open to everyone's interpretation. And those tend to be the kind of clients that, that come to a raw space anyway. They tend to be more creative, non-traditional couple. Now, is it I've, more wedding or is it more corporate or is it more So here we're definitely more shoot, weddings. You know, um, you know we've, we've done a couple um, film and photo shoots. We've done a couple corporate events, but really the majority have been weddings. I think Long Island City is a great location for weddings because it is parents are in Westchester, they're in Long Island, even if they're in Jersey. It's like an easy for all it the is. parents, friends can drive here. It really is an There's, easy commute. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's a nice central location. And I think corporate, it's still a struggle I mean, give, to get them to cross the river. <laughs> yeah, and just to give people an idea, we're literally feet yeah. from the Queensboro Bridge, which is the yes. 59th Street Bridge. So yeah. if you come, if you walk over the bridge, I don't know if yeah. you can walk over the Queensboro Bridge. Well, I did walk over that Queensboro Bridge during the blackout in oh my God. 2002. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yes, you yes, can. You can. <laughs> it's like 10 minutes from Midtown. Yeah, it's, and it's so close. It's, it's so crazy. close. Yeah. And I always joke to people, I'm like, you know, your parents on the Upper East Side can see their apartment from here, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. I think for weddings, people are obviously, Brooklyn is... Brooklyn, it's a thing, and um, but Long Island City, you know, you know, I've been working in this neighborhood, doing weddings in this neighborhood since 2008. Oh, really? Um, so yeah, I started at a venue across the street from here, so I was there for eight years mm-hmm. as production manager, and you know, there were a couple other, there was one other, the Metropolitan Building, also here that's been here for right. a very long time. So there are a few other now. Sound River Studios is down the street. I also did consulting for them when they opened. Right. Um, so Long Island City and Brooklyn are really. You know, there's a lot of wedding business here because I think a lot of the couples that are getting married live in Long Island City and they live in Brooklyn. Um, and so they want to keep it local and they want to have that feel of their neighborhood. And, you know, I'm sure you see it at weddings all the time when everyone's naming their tables after their favorite neighborhoods, like their favorite restaurants and, you know, Carroll Gardens or whatever. That's everything. Oh, no People, Yeah. So, t- so tell me about your background. Is it creative sure. background? Is it architecture? Not Is at it, all. Yeah. I studied French literature in college at oh the University God. of Minnesota. And I worked retail. Like, my dream was to work in fashion. Ever since I was in high school, I worked retail. I was on the fashion board at Nordstrom when I was in high school. And Nordstrom came to the Mall of America. I was very, I thought it was very cool. So, yeah, so that's what I did. And then I didn't move to New York until I was 27. So it was, Mm -hmm. you know, not like a right after college thing. I worked at Bergdorf Goodman as an assistant personal shopper. Um, I worked for Calvin Klein Better Sportswear. I managed a small boutique downtown. And then... So it was all in high-end... yeah. Yeah, and clothing. yes, high-end clothing. Working for Neiman Marcus, Nordstrom, yeah. Bergdorf Goodman really gives you um, the level of service that that you give to your clients is obviously different from what you would learn if you were working at Macy's. Exactly. And I think exactly. you know, I think in our business it always goes down to no matter how creative you are, no matter how beautiful your space is, the service that you're giving your client is what's going to set you apart because yeah. there are a million beautiful venues, there are a million amazing planners. But like, who is it that you connect with? You know, at the end of the day, we work in hospitality. I want to make sure that anybody that's coming into a venue that I am associated with has that same level of service that you would get if you walked into Bergdorf Goodman. As far as like follow-up goes, as far as the day of the professionalism of 
you know, the personality that you're engaging with. Um, I think it's really important because it's a very personal day for a lot of people. And so you want them to know, like it's special and you want to honor that. I mean, I think that there is a need for every type of venue, every level of venue. So I think there are some raw spaces that open up and they're very hands-off. Here's a venue like it's, and it's maybe it's $5,000. That's fine. Like you get what you pay for. Right. So like, this venue in particular, we price it a certain way because we offer a certain level of service. So mm-hmm. I think that, again, like if, if somebody wants to come in and they want pizza delivered, they want, you know, they don't want to work with like an, like a staffing company, whatever, that's totally fine, but that's not what happens here, you know? And, I, like, and there's nothing wrong with that type of event. Right. But I think from a venue perspective, like I want to work with a place where you walk in and it's perfect that there's somebody always here in case something goes wrong, that it doesn't fall to the planner, that it doesn't fall to the caterer if a fuse blows or what, you know, whatever. Um, you know, there are some venues where there's not even event manager there that comes with the venue. Like I can't, really? um, and I don't, for me personally, I don't feel like if I own that building, I don't think I would feel very good about the fact of like <laughs> opening my door and, that's a good point. and letting somebody in without having somebody there that's making sure that the contract is being adhered to, that the breakdown goes smoothly, all those sorts of things. All right, so take me back to, you're in Minnesota. Yes. I wanted to move to New York ever since I was a kid, and I moved here with like $800 and no job and no place to live. I like stayed with another friend for a couple of weeks. Oh, so you didn't walk in here with a job at Bergdoss or oh, a job no. at... Oh, no. No, I worked know. at, my, my friend worked at Bigelow Chemist on 6th Avenue, and so she got me a job <laughs> there at the cosmetics counter. So I worked there for a couple of weeks until I found, I like went to work at a boutique in Soho. Mm-hmm. And then I started Bergdorf mm-hmm. and then did Calvin Klein after that. They were launching a better sportswear line. But I found myself, I was reverse commuting. So I was work, my accounts were at stores in Westchester and Long Island. And so I was like, I didn't move here to go back to the suburbs where I, like I grew up in the oh, suburbs. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, you grew up in the suburbs? So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when you settled into New York, where were you living? Um, in Williamsburg. Oh, so you moved to Brooklyn sort of like right on the cusp of when it was still funky getting hip. Yes. Yeah. I lived on the South side of Williamsburg in an apartment where literally, like, once I got to Metropolitan Avenue, <clears throat> I would start running because it was nobody was there, and I and there's an apartment building that was under construction. A block from my place was scaffolding, and it said I was mugged here. And then two days later, it said twice underneath. Oh, nice. Um, so it was it was. <laughs> so you had sneakers in your bag. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I loved it. It was great. Like Williamsburg was so much fun, um, right. and I lived there for a very long time. And. So yeah, I've, I've always been in Brooklyn. And now that's like Park Avenue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you can walk exactly. 24 hours a day. 100%. Okay. Um, but yeah, so then I went to work at this boutique and then I had friends that were architects and DJs and they had started. Ah, a- no, I see, yeah. I see a pattern forming. <laughs> yes. So they had started a company um, doing like high end background music. We worked with hotels and retail stores. We would basically schedule the music for them. And so we would license everything. We would create playlists for them that were updated quarterly. I would go to all the locations and do the design audit, even though I don't really have a design background, but just sort of like watch the patterns, like get the vibe of the place. So you don't necessarily have a design background nor a music background. No. But you were selling a design, yeah, yeah. design concept (laughs) with, with, about music. Yes, exactly. But it all makes sense. Yeah. And then... I left that job and I knew the owner of the foundry and they needed somebody part-time. And so while I tried to figure out what I wanted to do next, I went and did mailers for them and then the other full-time person that was there left and I kind of fell in love with doing it. 
I was there for eight years, um, and I just fell in love with this industry. Basically, um, the my business, the Revelry Cooperative, started as... By the way, it's a great name. Thank you. It's a real mouthful, but I love it. <laughs> it sounds a little bit like a cult. But I really wanted to convey that this business is a cooperative of venues that are complementary to each other and not competing. It started as a consulting firm. Um, so the Bourdain was my first client. Gather Green, which is a spectacular property upstate um, in the Where Hudson Valley. It's in Cooksacky, across the river from Hudson. That area is on that's, fire. That's really? like That's the place to be right now. I have three clients up there right now. No kidding. Uh, four. Now, when you say clients, you mean houses. Venues. 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 So, you know, being under raw space, you work with different planners, different caterers all the time. And right. you also hear about their oh, experiences yeah, sure. at other venues. And they weren't always positive, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. not everyone's always as accommodating to other vendors, right? They, like, yes, they're clients, but they make it very difficult for vendors who are the ones who are going to come back over and over again. You're not just servicing your clients, you're servicing your colleagues as well. Yeah. And so the wheels started turning of starting a venue consulting business. And as the Hudson Valley grew, and I had a lot of planner friends that were working at venues up there that were often someone's private residence that somebody wanted, like a friend, a family friend, or somebody wanted to do a wedding there. And they did it, and then somebody saw it, and then uh, somebody else. Now, give us an example. Okay, so one of my clients upstate in Rhinebeck, they have a 240-acre horse farm. There's a beautiful historic home. There's a barn. There's a huge riding rink. There's a lake. There's a perfectly flat space for a tent. Um, And so the owners of this particular park... You know what I'm thinking when you immediately say a flat area? What? Dance floor. Right, exactly. So yeah, you can do a tent there. It's perfect. Yeah, 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 it's perfect. So they had the owner's daughter's wedding was there, mm-hmm. and they really loved their this couple in particular. They're very warm and hospitable people, and there's a lot of love at this property. Mm-hmm. Um, so they own the property. so they own the property, and so they thought just for a couple, you know, a handful of events a year, they want to rent it out to for outside parties. And so they contacted a planner friend of mine because they saw her website and they liked work that she did. Mm -hmm. And so she brought me in and so we went up to visit. And so now I've set up rental information for them. We've got online profiles going on. They've got an Instagram account. And so now any inquiries for that space come to me. Do you want to give them some credit? Yeah, it's Rhine Valley Farm in Rhinebeck. It's stunning. R-H-I-N-E? Yes. As in Rhinebeck. Yes, Rhine Valley Farm. Yeah, in Rhinebeck. And um, so this space just has opened up dates for next year. So we'll probably do, you know, we'd love to do up to five weddings a year. It's great because Rhinebeck is close. So there's not any place to stay on the property. There's like one small Airbnb that's really best for like the planning team to stay there. And then, you know, you can do a buyout of the Beekman or something like that. And how far is it from Manhattan? Two hours. Okay. So it's drivable. Yeah. But I mean, I've found, and I'm sure you've seen this too, that that now the first migration was from people from traditional spaces in Manhattan to raw spaces in the outer boroughs. And Mm -hmm. now everyone's transitioning to weekend events upstate. So everyone wants to go, you know, like Cedar Lake. So they go right past Westchester. Exactly. It's true. It's so frustrating. It's like, build something in Westchester. Yeah, it's true. Um, So the Hudson Valley is really considered from what to what? So I think it, once once you're past Westchester, it's technically the Hudson Valley. I'm just getting to know it up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I basically drive my straight shot to like Rhinebeck, Hudson, Just get on the Taconic and, yes. and pray. Yeah, pretty much. Especially yeah. if it's pray late at for, night. Uh, 
you know, cell towers. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk about well, your places. Okay, we'll talk about my places. Um, so, so yeah, so my other upstate client, my other, so, so the, the Rhine, the Bordeaux was my first client. The Bordeaux down here in Long Island. Yeah. Okay. Gather Green was my second client. Great name. Where is that? So that's in Green County in Cooksackie. So this is still when I, when this business was just a consulting business. So Gather Green. It's a funny story how we came to know each other. Basically, my upstairs neighbor and mm-hmm. my, where I live in Brooklyn, we were all hanging out in the backyard and her friend was visiting from Hudson. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, like, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I work in events. At that time, I was just freelancing. And I was like, you know, I work with planners, but like I'm thinking of starting this consulting business. I used to manage mm-hmm. a very popular venue for eight years. And her mouth dropped. And she said, I'm opening a venue in the Hudson Valley. Wow. And we need to talk. And she immediately texted her business partner. And so basically their background was in exhibition design. And they were in interior design. They wanted to do a project that was just their own, that wasn't for other clients, that it was just their own project. So they mm-hmm. started looking at spaces in Manhattan to build a venue or to, to get a venue. And obviously it's Good luck. millions of dollars. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so then they started looking up states and they were looking at all these properties with barns and they thought, you know, like we aren't really barn people. Like they studied design in Copenhagen. Oh, and wow. so their aesthetic is, is much more modern and like clean and Scandinavian. And, you know, and so they found in like literally like a penny saver. Like a friend of theirs was like, look at this property. It's a hundred acres. And they were basically selling it as the house. There's like a small house on the property. Okay. So they were selling it as the house, but attached to this amazing property. So they went to look at it. <laughs> you can see the Catskills on one side. You see the Berkshires on the other. Oh my God. There's like a blasted out shale quarry. Um, it's spectacular. And so they, um, you know, designed this incredible open air pavilion that's unlike anything you've seen. Um, wow, the name of this is Gather Green. Gather Green, which yes. is such a brilliant name. Yes. It could be in, in London. Yeah, it's very <laughs> you know, cool. It's a great name. And they, they did this cool pavilion, and then there are 17 tiny house cabins that have a full plate glass window looking out over a ridge that you know has views of the Berkshires. Oh my so God. So basically, if you're someone like me who likes the outdoors but would would rather die than have to spend the night in a tent. It's perfect because there's air conditioning, <laughs> there's heat, there's a shower, there's running water. Um, you know, the door closes. It's amazing. Um, and so they have like 17 tiny cabins that you can stay on, on the property and it's a full weekend retreat. And it's, so it's luxury for people who want to go camping. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> what, what do they say? They say um, you can enjoy nature without being challenged by it. <laughs> without having to sleep on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, beautiful king size bed with nice oh linens and yeah i have to see this place oh it's, it's magnificent and like i slept there one night and it was the best night of sleep of my life it was wow. incredible um gather green yes okay so i got super fortunate with these two clients to start mm-hmm. you know as we started as mary at the Bordeaux and i started working together and it was clear that she was going to want somebody to manage the space and i thought why can't it be me right so like here's goes back to my idea that i had many years ago of taking a management style and and bringing it to other venues and thinking about all these conversations with about with my friends talking about working with these owners of these properties upstate and be like they're great but they just don't know what they're doing like they they're not event people they don't know how to right. run an event right and so then i decided to start sort of this management leg of the company so the bordeaux the consultancy ended the venue opened and i'm still on managing the venue for mm-hmm. the owner um, and so now with Gather Green was just consulting because they're running it themselves. Um, Rhine Valley Farm, um, I now just last week signed on with Woodhouse Lodge, which is another property upstate. It's a, it's a really cool like mid-century hotel 
um, that's been renovated by an interior designer. Oh, wow. And How many so, rooms? 10 rooms. Um, and they have like a dance hall that they've converted into an event space. So there's space for a tent, there's an indoor space, and then 10 rooms to stay. And this is also in the same area. So it's about 30 minutes west of Hudson. Okay. Um, and so I'd met with her last winter and she just last week called and she was like, help. And we're like, it's, it's like, I can't take all these weddings. Like I need help. <laughs> so really? Yeah. So I'm, 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 that's gonna, great. Yes. I'm going to handle their, that's the best kind of problem to have the best. Yeah. I mean, the, the space is like, it's a really cool property. And so it goes back to the thing again, what I was saying before is that all the spaces to me are aesthetically interesting and pleasing mm-hmm. and we're, are a place that like I get really excited about and unique in their own way. Yes. And, but they aren't competing with each other. So I, I don't want to work with 10 blank white lofts. I don't want to work with 15 barns, you know, like I want them oh, all to like you. be okay. able to offer something that the other doesn't, but that they complement each other. So like the style is like the same kind of client, whether they want a city wedding or an upstate wedding, mm-hmm. it's the same kind of client, And it goes back to that non-traditional couple that wants a raw space that wants to, you know, put their own personal stamp on it. A lot of times they're designers or they're architects or they're chefs or they're, you oh, know, they're really, yeah. So it's, it's more usually in a raw space, one, at least one of, one of the couple, you know, are, are more of a creative type in the arts. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so I find that really satisfying and enjoyable to work with as opposed to like, cause it you know, also lets you think out of the box you right. know, to you, for you to be creative and to you to, for you to pitch an idea to think, you know, I always thought this would be great to put this over here. Right. And if you're working with someone else who's creative. Yes. They might say, wow, that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. And also, yeah. I mean, especially when you're a new venue starting out to, to have the, that kind of vision come in here and create an event here. And that's what you're putting out. Like that's what you're going to start attracting. Mm-hmm. Th- those are the kind of clients that I enjoy working with. Creative. In my yeah. With a budget. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Always with the budget. But so yeah, they but, can be creative. Yeah. Exactly. No, I mean, so, you know, it sounds funny, but the longer that I do this, and the more people that I meet in the industry, yes, some things could be end up being very expensive. Mm-hmm. But if you know it going in, and you say, "I have this crazy idea," but what do you think of this? Yeah. Anything could be done. Right. It just is a question of bringing in the right person to exactly. do it, and 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 having the budget for it. The wedding that we had here at the Bordeaux on Friday was out of this world. Amanda Savory was the planner. Mm-hmm. The designer was Little Sister Creative. And they did, um, they came up with this idea for the ceremony out on the, t- the third floor terrace, the big terrace, um, to create like a living room. So instead of ceremony chairs lined up all facing the city, mm-hmm. the couple were in the middle on rugs. They had sofas and armchairs around. They had cocktail tables at the perimeter but for the most part, it was like like amazing furniture from Patina. And it was so intimate and so beautiful and unlike anything I've ever seen in my wow. 11 years in this industry. I mean, everybody involved is just like blown away with, with what those two came up with. It's really spectacular. It's a really beautiful wedding. Um, and I think that that is something that now all of a sudden you're going to start people, people are going to see that that. photo and everyone's like, I want that. I want that. So hopefully they have big budgets too, because you know, those rentals aren't cheap. So, um, but you know, that's what the fun of this job, you know, working with people who are creative like that, who have, who become your friends also, you know, it's, it's, um, I love our industry because, you know, we throw parties for a living. So we're all a pretty fun group (laughs) and there's no limit to the to the creativity and the amount of people that do it like you just mentioned two names yeah i don't know either of them right and they they could both be brilliant and both be they are cutting edge and and like you said it's the best thing you've ever seen yeah 
And I never heard of either of them. So yeah. you have to give me both of the numbers I so will. I can have them on the podcast. I will for sure. <laughs> uh, there are our two sort of sides to our business. They're yeah. the more traditional, like people, like, you know, you guys all work in Manhattan, you know, like the, the crew. And then there's this whole like Brooklyn crew that is totally separate. And mm -hmm. the two don't mingle too much, but I think that they should. You know? All right. So, so that's all right. So we got the Rhine that I keep forgetting. We got Rhine Valley Farm. The Rhine Valley Farm. We've got Woodhouse Lodge. Gather Green, which Gather is my Green. favorite name. Yes. The Bordeaux. Okay. I'm consulting for Lighthouse Studio for Ira's Place. Oh, great. Yes. So, um, you know, we have just finished up putting all the rental information together to, and a pretty package that we're going to start sending out to planners. Nice. And, um, yeah. So, and then there's an, another place upstate that is not finalized yet. Yeah, so this like, has literally gone exactly the way you had planned <laughs> when you come right down to well, it. You come up with an idea yeah, like 12 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Well, it, wasn't, it was more like four years ago, I guess. Four years. But, okay. um, but yeah, it's, it's taken a lot of, it's changed a bit. Um, but yeah, it is, it's pretty rewarding it, to see it happening and to see the reaction that, you know, to reconnect with, with colleagues that I haven't seen for a while and to hear about it. And, and everyone's pretty excited about it because I think it, the service is good for everyone, right? So like, yeah. if, you know, if, if you come to a venue that I work at and you're like, yeah. these are my power needs, they're not going to be like, huh? They're going to exactly. like, you exactly. know, or like hopefully I've talked to them already and they're already there. So for here, this venue, again, because I was here before everything was run, it's like, like everything needs to be on separate circuits. So mm. like we can't have all these outlets on the same circuits right. for bands, for coffee makers, for yeah. lighting. If a Dancing fuse blows stops. during the first, you know, yeah. not good, not good. Not good. And then try um, and find a, you know, an electrician on a set. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Gather Green, actually, they're brilliant. And they put in these installation hooks in their pavilion to so people could string lights and hang you oh, know, greenery wow. and whatever. And it was the smartest thing I've ever seen. And so if you, I don't know if you noticed upstairs and downstairs here, we have them. And I told them, I, I was like, they, I'll give them full credit, but I'm taking that to every venue I work with because it's so easy for everyone to do installations as opposed to like clamping things on you know yeah. onto whatever beam and then you're painting all the time because they have this beautiful wooden pavilion that they don't want people yeah. attaching things to yeah. they put installation hooks in and then one of the walls i don't know what material it is it looks like concrete we did a, a planners event there and lily from mimosa floral did this a beautiful like foraged wall arrangement essentially wow and so now like they just had their first wedding last month and they've had two more since and you see everybody does this sort of beautiful like oh, forage no floral arrangement. Okay. yeah so you know it goes back to them saying like you know your first few events and style shoots really dictate mm -hmm. you know the clients that you attract um and that's another good thing about having somebody who has experience because otherwise you know a, a venue owner who's not in this industry like everybody's coming in and they're like yeah we'll do this we'll do this we'll do this we'll, and then you sort of don't have an identity and you don't know who your client is, right? And so, like, I think to be able to sort of have that vision based on what the space is and, and what the owner sees for it and to steer them in the right direction of what vendors you want to be sourcing, who's on, who's on your preferred vendor list, who do you want to do your opening party, all that stuff sort of dictates that. And, and I think to have somebody that has those connections and to, who's worked with a number of different people is, is helpful. And I think why struggle when you don't have to? <laughs> right. right. And, and, and listen, I was, I was even talking to a bunch of planners that do um, destination weddings. Mm -hmm. And I said, what, what is the most, single most important element? And they said, having a partner on the ground wherever I am. Mm -hmm. Florence, Nice, right. Lake Como, 
wherever it is. Someone local. I need someone local. So your concept is to be sort of in charge of all these places. Like basically like, like it's basically like you hire me to run your venue, like you'd hire a property management company to, to run your apartment building. Ah, okay. So I would not say, I think I'm an appreciator of creative things. I'm definitely a logistics and operations person. Basically, like you have a venue, mm-hmm. you have a property, like, you know what, I want to turn this into a venue, but I just, cause I want to make the money off of it. Like I want to, you know, I want to just monetize my, my property for a few events a year. So you basically call me in, you tell me like, this is, this is off limits. This is off limits. And I take care of it from there. So like, you don't deal with an inquiry. You don't have to be there the weekend of the event. You, I do all the walkthroughs. I do the tours. I do all the client communication. Okay. It's still just me, but like eventually I'll have a couple assistants, one in the city, one upstate. You must do thousands of miles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, My parents drove out my mom's car. So my mom has had this car since 2005 and she basically drove it to Panera and back, you know, because my dad drives everywhere. And so the car had 33,000 miles on it. It was like new. So they drove it out from Minnesota for me. And so it had 33,000 miles. Now it has 50,000 miles within the first year. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so it's just, and now it's going to be even more now because, um, you know, having Woodhouse Lodge and stuff like that, I'll be up there a lot more. So, so yeah, so I think next year will be the year for a new car. <laughs> Eventually you're going to probably have to get a place up there. Yes. Mm. Well, that's my, this is my, I love upstate, but I'm a beach girl through and through. So my next place to conquer is the Hamptons because that's really where my oh, end game wow. is. That's where I really want to be. So um, no offense to my upstate loves because I do love it up there, but, um, to me, I know East Hampton very, very, very well. You do. Yeah. Uh, Amagansett is like my place. Yeah. I it's love it. it's so amazing out there, but it's yeah. so absurdly expensive. Absurdly expensive. And crowded. Yeah. And difficult to find places to sleep. Oh, <laughs> well, well, that's a problem, right? I mean, that's yeah. why there aren't a lot of venues out there, but yeah. Um, eventually you know, I say to every venue that I'll be on hand for the first 10 events, but I'm like, oh, okay. you know, and yeah. then after that, it's freelancers that are trained by me and eventually employees that are trained by me that are there to manage the day to day. And then, or, you know, the, the actual event itself. And I'll just still be handling all the logistics leading up to that. So Jules, this is amazing. So you're really doing, you're doing it. I'm doing it. Yes. This is spectacular. It's been a little under two years. So. Wow. So do you ever have to take people around from place to place to place to yes. place? You've got five places. Yes. I do with that with planners. I, I don't have couples coming directly to me. To, okay. I can do, if a planner wants to outsource scout, venue scouting to me, I can do that. Um, but typically I am wanting to promote my spaces. So I'll bring planners around to the places that I work with to show them. So that's usually where that comes So you want the planner to be able to take over that party? No, no. But I think that that's when you're promoting a new space and it definitely was evidenced here at the Bordeaux that the more bodies you get in and everyone's Instagramming, the more exposure the, the place gets. Of course. And I think that when a lot of these smaller properties, you know, when you're only doing five weddings a year, it doesn't really make sense to spend a lot of money on advertising. Um, Good point. You know, if you're, if you're doing 50 weddings a year, like hundred weddings a year, of course, like what, yeah. what does it matter to spend $10,000 on advertising? When you're doing five, that's like, mm-hmm. you know, really yeah. cuts into the money that you're making. So really trying to do like boots on the ground marketing essentially and just keep, you know, like Ryan Valley Farm, I brought like six planner friends to see the space, um, you know, back in June and 
just from them Instagram, we got we were getting inquiries regularly for doing zero advertising. Like we do, we have a free profile on the Wedding Wire, and that's it. Like the Instagram account went live like that week. Wow, um, oh that's great. You know, so you know, it obviously takes time with a new venue for it to build up. But I think just the more exposure and the more people see the name, then the more. So how do you promote yourself? How do people follow you? Because uh, now I want to know everything that you're doing. I've been really bad about being on Instagram. It's, it's, First of all, you have a great name. Oh, thank you very much. Jules Miller is a great thank name. You. It sounds like you should be like a Broadway producer. Thank you very much. Somebody called earlier today and said, I wasn't sure if you were a man or a woman. And I said, no, I'm a woman. Yes, that's right. Jules could definitely um, be both. So I'm, re- yeah. I'm pretty bad about promoting myself, to be quite honest. Right. I try to go to like whatever industry event I can. And anytime I meet somebody and they want to meet, I will always go. But I need to be better. It, it, I spend all of my focus on my clients and not and I'm, and not enough focus on my business. So mm-hmm. hopefully in the next couple of months there will be a change in that. Just because I do feel like what I'm doing is unique and I think that there will be some copycats soon. You know? Yeah. So like I need right. to sort of strike while the iron is hot and, and really get you know, become sort of like the person to go to. So, you know, maybe some PR is involved. Um, but again, as a Midwestern girl who doesn't like to bring attention to herself, it, it makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, you know, doing things like this, you know, that are totally out of my comfort zone. But it is, No, and you, uh, <laughs> you were so nervous about this and you were so relaxed. Well, you're, well, you're a very good host, so. We're just sitting here talking. Exactly. We're talking about the business. I've always loved this business. Same. When I, you know, there is a, there, like you said in the beginning, there is a bit of a pejorative sense. You say, oh, you're in weddings. Yeah. Means, okay, so you weren't good enough to be a rock and roll star. Yeah, that's what it means. <laughs> but if you take that and say, okay, but look, now look, look at what, what I can do with that. Right. And look at all these other artistic people I'm working with and look at all these. That's the most interesting thing to me since I've been doing the podcast. Yeah. Is that every person I'm talking to is passionate about what passionate passionate about what they do yeah like you yeah i mean, I mean I, I, when you're talking about these these five places you it's like you know describing your five children yeah they you know, it's like are. which one do you like best well, well it's like you know yeah and it's funny because when i left the foundry and i was sort of figuring out where i want to go next I, I worked with other planners um you know i did a couple short-term contracts with caterers and i really always came back to the venue side i really love the venue side of it because I feel like you're often the first place that people go and it really is an opportunity for you to educate them of like what it takes to have an event, right? So like people come here and they're like, oh great, I have my venue. You know, my budget's $20,000. I just spent 10 grand on my venue. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no, you don't have a caterer yet. <laughs> so you don't have furniture yet, you know? And to sort of prepare them, because sometimes I think Instagram and wedding publications don't prepare them for how much, you know, you see this and like, I want that. How much that really costs. I'm so glad you brought this up. Yeah. On the, just on the face of it. Right. That, all right, I've got yeah, $20,000 to spend, and now I've got this place, and it's $10,000. Uh, so now I have $10,000 to spend on the rest of it. It's like, wait, you haven't brought in your first fork. Right. Right. It's, somebody I worked with on says, like, would you like plain or buttered popcorn? <laughs> yes, exactly. Every time a couple comes in here, you know, it is going back to that. How much does a wedding cost? Well... I mean, mm-hmm. you know, my previous job would say that you can buy shoes at Payless or you can buy shoes at, at Barney's, right? Right. So, like, I'd say, like, you know, our average wedding is X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can go up from there. Right. But I don't think you can do one for less than $75,000, you know, or right. 50000 mm-hmm. You know, and and that catering and staffing are going to be your biggest costs. And to, like, make sure that that is the largest chunk of your budget. If you were instructing brides, 
or we're getting married. We like to think of ourselves as creative. Yeah. We have a $150,000 budget. Yeah. Great. And um, they'll come to you and you'll say, let me show you this space. Here's what you can do with $150,000. No. So that's okay. definitely a planner's job. Thank so again, so okay. that's, um, again, on the venue side, on the raw space side, we try to just, you know, I will make recommendations for you based on your budget mm -hmm. and you can take it from there. I think that we should, everybody should let people do what they do. Like, I don't think a venue manager should be a planner. I don't, th well, we should take this out, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that there are so Some many of these terms, <laughs> you, you gotta remember, if, if, if an average bride is listening to this, yeah. and I'm in the business, I'm a little bit confused. So I think, well, everybody has their own terms, but for me and any venue that I work with, I say we are not planners. One uh, one thing is that I do take a, a handful of planning jobs a year, but it's separately from my venue work. Okay. So. And this is like at outside venues. And if, if, I'm, if I take a job planning here at the Bordeaux, that means there's a different venue manager on for the day. I'm not the venue all right, manager so if for we're the day. All right, so if we're giving a little primer, what are the terms they need to know? Like what is a venue manager? What so yes, yeah, so there's a venue or an event manager it, yeah. that's there. And this is something that I write in FAQs for all my clients. Yes, yeah, yeah. That yeah, we say please, like you have yeah. an event manager that's there for the, for the day or for the weekend. Um, and they're there to make sure that everything is, is running smoothly from the venue, from the building side of it. So if a fuse blows, if a toilet overflows, if the caterers have a question about where they can plug in the coffee maker, be taken care like of. we show the rentals where they can go, make sure that nobody's putting the wrong adhesive on the floor, make sure, you know, that the bathrooms are clean and stocked during the events, um, things like that and managing the loadout to make sure that every, that that they get out. Almost just like a super. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> which is why like, I don't need to be there for all of them. Yeah. Um, but so as, but then I was like, we, we don't cue your ceremony. We don't run your timeline. Those things are what a planner does. And so, you know, I want to make that clear to people. And, and I will say like when I started in the industry, I would say maybe like 30% of what, of couples had planners. And now I'd say 99% of them have at least a day of person. Right. So caterer, if you're, and I highly, 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 highly recommend people work with a full professional off-premise caterer, not a restaurant. If they want to do a restaurant, we say you have to work with an approved staffing company. You know, there was one instance many, many years ago where the groom did his own rental order and he had 96 guests, so he ordered 96 glasses. Oh, no. You know, and so that's something, but of course, why would he know, right? Like, yeah, why would he know? Would and so, yeah. but that goes into like hiring a professional. Yeah. that knows how to do a rental order, right. right? So like a restaurant- And the glasses break. Right, like so a restaurant caterer doesn't do off-premise events in a raw space. Like they might do drop-off catering, uh -huh. but they aren't, you know, and so I've seen it in the past where like they close the restaurant and they're bringing their whole staff and it's, it's just not the same, mm -hmm. right? Because then they're like, well, I don't, clean, I don't have to clean up at night. I'm like, right. yeah, well you do here. So we have a certain, you know, three staffing companies that we recommend okay. um, because also there are other staffing companies that come in and also look at you like, you know, it's like talking to a brick wall when you try right. to get them to clean up at the end of the night. And I emphasize to people that the staff is what will make or break your event, right? So like you're spending, you know, up to six figures mm -hmm. on, a, on a wedding. Or seven. Yeah. I mean, once you're getting there, you know, it's going to be good mm -hmm. staff, right? Hopefully. <laughs> um, you know, but, but on the lower end of it, it's just like, that's a, a place where I would always stress staffing that they put some money into like a better company, like, because this is a case where you absolutely get what you pay for. So this is an instance where they really want, this is my favorite restaurant. This is the food I want. Okay. I say, that's fine. Okay. But let them bring the food in and have somebody else do the front of the house and they can, the staffing company can do your rental order for you. 
they can handle the they can tell you what you need for the bar. Well, here we require an SLA permit, but right. um, you right. know, what's that? A state liquor authority permit. So SLA. you have to okay. have a state liquor license. Liquor. To have that. Which makes sense. You don't want to be closed down in the middle of a exactly party. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So again, that goes back to like the service, right? Of like, I I would hate for somebody to book one of the venues that I work with. And then all of a sudden at the end, be like, you know, we went like $50,000 over budget because we had no idea when we booked the space, what it would take. I'd oh, never wow. want that to happen, yeah, yeah, right? Exactly. And it exactly. hasn't ever happened, but I'm saying like, no, I no, think it, it could. Can, it could. Yeah. And so I always really try to prepare people. And like, so again, I usually give them their list afterwards, ask them like what style they want, what their budget is, and try to direct them towards the vendors that are best suited for that. Because I don't want to, if, they, if their budget's $150 a person for catering, I'm not going to send them to Creative Edge, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so, um, you know, and, and, and strongly urge them to, before they sign a contract, to get quotes. And so they really have an understanding of what the full scope of what their event is going to cost. Right. Um, because I do think people get excited and they're like, great, I love this place, done. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, like, I didn't realize. Yeah. Like, it's going to cost me this much money. So. Oh, so, oh so you're there to say you're going to need staffing. You're going to need yeah. catering. Yeah. You're going to need lighting. No, here, yes. It depends on where you are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes candles are enough. Here, the lighting that we have um, is still too bright on its dimmest setting, so we recommend people bring an outside lighting. Okay. So, yeah, each space is unique. Yeah. So. Well, Jules, thank you so much. We're, all right, so how do people follow you? Um, on Instagram, the underscore revelry underscore cooperative. Okay. And website, therevelrycooperative.com. And each of your spaces have their own Instagram. They do. They're linked on the website. This is so great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been so terrific. Thank you for making me not nervous anymore. (laughs) Look look how long we've been talking. I know. It's quoted a bar. I know. So we've been talking for 25 minutes. (laughs) It is relaxing though, isn't it? It is. Well, you know what? The sound is relaxing. This is what I, I, I was saying to people. Like, you'll be shocked. That's why I'm purposely not taking these off. Yeah. Because we'll do it at the same time. You'll see. All of a sudden, you'll see. Oh yeah, I hate the sound of my voice. But yeah. right now, no, I have this like deep radio. But voice. this is what you sound like. Oh really? Yeah. This is what you sound like. I don't to think me. this is and, what I... <laughs> But you don't think you <laughs> no, do. No, I don't. No, I did tell, tell a friend. I was like, I was like, how am I going to do this podcast? I was like, I'm so inarticulate, and I talk so fast. He's like, I don't think no, that's true. You are not um, inarticulate. So, but thank you. This is lovely. Wait, can I add one more thing? Yeah. Okay, so this is going back to what we were saying about the industry that we work in how people feel when you say I work in weddings. I am a religious reader of Jezebel, which is a feminist blog. People are always like poo-pooing weddings of like, what a waste, it's this old school tradition, blah, blah, whatever. And it always sort of like gets me a little bit because I find that A, it employs a lot of people, like what we were saying before. Yes, like yeah. on, set, on Friday alone, there were like 100 people in here employed by the day. But also 95% of my venue clients are women-owned businesses. I'm a woman-owned business. I would say that this is an industry that nurtures female business ownership. The majority of the business owners are female, at least that I encounter. Yeah. So, sorry, but <laughs> I'm a lurker in the comment section, and this is the only time that I feel compelled to set up an account, and so I can defend our industry. Yeah, very, I'll, I'll very back great you up for on women. That. Thank you. So we got to get someone from Jezebel on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll hack we got, well, it we can debate. We can debate weddings. Exactly. Yes, exactly. exactly. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was the incredible Jules Miller. And she really does have a unique, visionary approach to this industry. 
that I knew you'd appreciate. You can reach me on Twitter at WedWisdomPod and on Instagram at Doug Winters Inc. And my website is Doug Winters Music Inc. Stay tuned, spread the word, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or anywhere you get your podcast to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. And uh, let's keep the action flowing. Okay, bye-bye.